welcome to the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. Welcome back into another edition of the CMB Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 52. Guys, 52 just screams linebackers, does it not? Who do we think of with, with number 52? Definitely Ray Lewis. Right, Ray Lewis, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Always got to think Guys, of who else? That's really it for me. Can I tell you my 52? Yeah, go for it. He, he's not a number 52, but he's 52 years old. Are you ready? The Undertaker, 52. The Undertaker. Wow, wow that's... That's, that's impressive. That's hey, just whatever. Just trying to get this thing started on the right foot. <laughs> I was thinking more linebackers like Patrick Willis for the 49ers. Oh yeah. Uh, maybe oh, Rob Gall. Rob Gall. That's his boy. What about uh what about Clay Matthews yeah. in Green Bay? Yeah, Clay Matthews, yeah. Yep. Current current 52, my favorite 52 currently, Khalil Mack. Raiders. He's a machine. He's a stud. Yeah. He's a stud for sure. Episode 52, guys, this is a special one. I don't want to um, hype it up too much. I don't want to throw too much anticipation, but this is a special episode, guys. We have a special guest that I'm going to continue to tease throughout the duration of um, this podcast. And I think when we get toward the end is when we will bring in our special guest. Um, do you guys have any guesses who this might be? Hmm. Um, it's Terry not the Undertaker. Is his last name Gaw? It's it's no one last name Gaw. It's not Terry Pace, and it's not the Undertaker. Um, any other any other guesses, Zach? Any other guess? Uh, I can't really say because I I do know. I I don't want to throw out a guess. Zach knows. Zach was uh instrumental. In fact, Zach brought this guest to the show. Good work, Zach. Yeah, thanks. Um. But we're uh, we're really excited about this special guest. I think this may be the first uh, guest on the show that that's not directly affiliated with the league. Is that accurate? An accurate statement? Yeah, I would say that he could be affiliated with the league if he wanted to. <laughs> Wait, I know who it is. I know who it is. Okay, Brandon McManus. Oh, I wish man, that that that's on the to do list. Oh for gosh, sure. that'd be not awesome. this week. But I wish. So we'll have uh, we'll have that special guest at the end of this episode. I know a lot of people probably get on. They listen to our episode, right? They listen to our podcast, and they'll kind of cherry pick where they want to uh, to listen because this isn't a live show, right? You can skip around and play around. But for this one, hang around to the end, and uh, I think you're gonna be really excited about our special guest. Um, let's take a trip around the league first and go over some league news. Let's start that trip here in Tennessee with some Titans news, uh, injury news. Uh, it looks like Corey Davis and Marco Murray both with hamstring injuries. Uh, neither will play against the Jets uh, this Saturday uh, in the first preseason game, both week to week. Guys, yeah, nothing nothing really big to see here. I think they're both going to be back. Uh, you'd rather them just, just sit out these first couple of preseason games, right? Oh yeah, definitely. And it was it was crazy because that all happened on the same day. It seemed like I got notifications back to back about Corey Davis and um, Demarco Murray. Yeah, I had a little panic moment um, because I was thinking about Mike Williams. So I had a moment where I panicked that we were going to be in the, the rookie curse was going to happen again. So I'm glad it didn't. 
Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too concerned there. I think just that week to week status, just leaving those guys out. Um, the backups are playing really well. Uh, Derrick Henry, that guy could probably start on any team as their lead running back. So um, definitely, definitely uh, wish those guys a speedy recovery and and hopefully playing uh, by week one. Um, go down to Miami I think, and I was gonna say Pace. I I think for Demarco Murray, it's probably a good thing, just to. You know, not have so many reps in training camp. He doesn't need them. Corey Davis, it's a little bit concerning because, you know, rookie wide receivers have a big learning curve anyway. I hate that he's missing a big chunk of camp. Uh, but yeah. It I is what agree. it is. Yeah, I definitely agree. But it's it's nice knowing, though, that his injury, while a hamstring can linger, it's nothing, you know, too serious. It's not a season ending like Mike Williams uh, probably could be. Uh, speaking of season-ending injuries, so Ryan Tannehill re-injures his knee uh, in practice, and the video kind of circulated online last week, and it kind of looked like a kind of a fluke accident. You know, the guy was was running and scrambling out of bounds, and uh, just tucked and, and slid, and you know, I don't really know the extent of the injury. It's probably a partial ACL tear, is what they're saying, but um, the Dolphins' son, Jay Cutler. On uh, I guess that was Sunday night, uh, maybe Monday morning. Um, what are your guys' thoughts with uh, the quarterback situation down in Miami? Does that change things for the Dolphins' playoff hopes, or for any of the uh, the receiving core uh, for the Dolphins? Yeah, well, anytime you hear a non-contact injury, well, was... it's never good, you know. And uh, I th- I think they weren't really going to be doing anything in that division anyway. So you know, as far as the the playoffs go, maybe they'll make it, but they're not going to do any damage. Yeah, I was going to say first about Tannehill. I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but did you see where he opted not to have surgery on that knee what? over the offseason? And really? so maybe yeah. that led to some of the instability in the knee in the first place. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Kind of a kind of a weird story, but he said he was a pre-med major in college at, at Texas A&M, and he just, I guess with his own – you know, medical knowledge just opted to not have surgery. Um, so, you know, not not sure he looks too smart coming out of that. But his replacement right now, Jay Cutler, got to read this quote. Uh, I guess this guy also knows more about his own body. Um, I'm not sure what he was up to. I guess he was prepping to be one of the, uh, the commentators on Fox. But uh, during his opening presser, he said, the good thing is I play QB. So I'm, <laughs> I don't have to be in that great of cardiovascular shape. So Jay Cutler has the right attitude, I guess, coming into camp. I'm I'm uh, I'm staying away from from uh, him or Matt Moore, whoever the quarterback in Miami is. Yeah, it's unfortunate because especially with, I mean, you just kind of wonder what it's going to do to the wide receivers. There was so much hype for Devontae Parker and then Jarvis Landry. Um, I mean, it's just I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. So here are the targets that are left behind, and I mean, we've seen before really terrible quarterbacks. Uh, that does not make or break the receivers in a lot of cases. You know, you see terrible QBs all the time um, give nice production to good receivers. Um, so, you know, Jake Sanderford's boy, Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, Julius Thomas, Anthony Fasano. I mean, they have they have a nice core of weapons that, you know, really wouldn't matter the QB. During garbage times, these guys are going to put up points. So I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too scared to uh, to pick up one of these you know perimeter targets, but man, I'm staying away from the QB there. Um, what do you think you know, of that, Jay Ajayi? Jay Ajayi, I think this helps his case. You know, I, I think if you're Jay Cutler and you're you've 
Was he, did he officially retire and come back? Mm-hmm. Do you guys know? Yeah, I don't know if he officially I mean, retired. Essentially, yeah. Essentially, in retirement and and comes back. I think the best thing for him is to have a a workhorse back like like Jay Ajayi. Um, so I, I think this probably helps his stock a little bit. What do you guys' thoughts? I mean, Cutler can get hot at times. So I mean, if they did stack the box on a Jai or something like that, I mean, Cutler can definitely sling it. I mean, he may throw some interceptions, but he could get hot and uh, you know eventually open up some more lanes for a Jai. But I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, especially with the comments that he was making, like he's not in shape and all that stuff. Uh, you kind of wonder if it was a joke or not because I don't think he has like the best uh, delivery on anything, especially you know with his demeanor and stuff like that so maybe that was a joke who knows but uh i don't know it'll be interesting to see what they do it probably was um and you know that was in the dolphins preseason they were a popular pick to uh, make it back to a wild card spot so i'll uh, i'll be interested to see you know what they what they do uh sticking in that division the one team that that no one virtually no one is picking uh for, for the postseason the new york jets i mean they had their fire sale a couple of months ago you saw players uh, get cut, you know, for to make you know some cap room, um, and uh, and it looks like they had the uh, the latest injury bug. Um, their receiver Quincy Anunwa, uh neck injury out for the season. Uh, this is a guy I think was was undrafted last year in our league, and I, I believe Jay and Jacob might have picked uh, him up. And and man, he had some great weeks and was was really going to be their lead receiver. And, and here's who they're left with. And, guys, when I say someone that you've heard of, please stop me. Starting receiver on their opening depth jar right now, Robbie Anderson, an undrafted receiver from Temple. Is he a kicker? Sounds like exactly. Jalen Marshall, undrafted. Morton Anderson? Sharon Peak, maybe you've heard of him from Clemson. Ardarius Stewart from Alabama. Chad Hansen and Jordan Leggett. So four, Chad four Hansen of these. Chad Hansen from Cal. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so four of these receivers or four of these these targets are rookies. Um, Honest, honestly, that's the main reason that I have heard of them, just because I paid attention to the draft and I know who those guys are. Otherwise, exactly. I've never heard of any of these guys. So a, a bunch of unknowns and a bunch of guys that we don't even know who is going to be throwing the ball to them. It could be Christian Hackenberg, it could be Josh McCown. Um, what a, what do you guys make of, of the Anunwa injury? And uh, is this is this a group of uh, of receivers that you guys are staying completely away from? I would say, yo, know, I mean, somebody's got to catch the ball, and they're probably going to be behind in games. So you definitely have to pay attention. I don't think you should expect for any consistency. My big question is, do you think that there is a good chance that this could be one of the top five worst offenses in NFL history? Because I think there is. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, I, I kind of wonder, since they're, you know, quote, you know, if you want to say that they're tanking or not, you know, but I wonder if it was kind of a question if he should be out for the season or not, and they're like, ah, just let, just get ready for next season, you know. I know neck injuries are serious, but you just kind of wonder with the whole way everything's been going over there. Yeah, and poor Matt Forte. I mean, the guy leaves the Bears oh, and, yeah. and joins joins the uh, the Jets the year after uh, Fitzpatrick and that offense really had a nice 2015 season. You know, he, he joins the Jets when when uh, they still had Brandon Marshall, still had Eric Decker, 
still had Ryan Fitzpatrick, still had Nick Mangold. I mean, that was you know not a promising offense, but I mean they had at least some talent. And then within you know 16 months, all of those names I just mentioned are gone. You know, so you got to oh, feel yeah. bad for him yeah. and Bilal Powell. Um, so I, I mean, pretty much we're going to bring back no thanks later in the podcast, one of our favorite, uh, segments. And those are definitely two names that, uh, that I'll be mentioning. Um, but I mean, staying along the line of the jets, uh, we don't know who's going to be the starting quarterback. We definitely know that that person's probably not going to be the quarterback next year. Uh, Christian Hackenberg though, (laughs) uh, I think he's getting, I think he's getting second team reps. Oh, man. And Zach, you added this to our to our notes. Um, this is a story that was reported, I think, a couple of days ago, maybe on Friday. Yeah. And basically, Zach, go ahead. Yeah, you, I, d- you, uh, I just heard it on the Dan Patrick show that he <laughs> that he couldn't break a huddle twice. Like he could not. Right. <laughs> he could not. An NFL quarterback could not break the huddle twice correctly, and they kicked him out of practice. I mean, if that doesn't define the Jets. I don't know what does. Uh, that's 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 terrible. So, uh, that was just that's hilarious. Yeah, it's so bad. Like I, I don't even think that like like you know in the couple of practices that I played quarterback in middle school football, I'm pretty sure I I broke a huddle just fine. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, thanks guys. I mean, we've talked about every team in that division except the Patriots, and there's really no need to. We could spend an entire episode talking about those guys. I think they're going to be fine. Obviously, a lot of teams picking them to go 19-0 or some ridiculous um, number there. But um, we'll we'll continue to talk about the Patriots and, and all their weapons. But, man, it is not looking good for uh, for the Jets or the Dolphins, really, at this point. Um, what only, would you say? I was going to say the only good thing that the Jets have going for them is the Madden curse with uh, Tom Brady on the cover. That's the only thing they have going for him. You believe that? Oh, yeah. That's real. You should, too, after having Gronk last year. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, and I lied. We, we have one more note about the AFC East. Anquan Bolden signed yesterday by the Buffalo Bills uh, for his 15th season. Um, right. are, you guys buying his, are you guys buying his stock at all, or is this Andre Johnson with the Titans 2.0? Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Exactly. I, I think he'll be mediocre. I, I I don't think he'll be as bad as Andre Johnson was, but I think he's still got a little bit left in the tank. But uh, I wouldn't expect much from him. I mean, he played really well on a one-year deal in uh, Detroit last year. I mean, I was he was surprisingly good, and the, the number of targets he got, I was I was definitely shocked by. I mean, all it takes to be the lead receiver in Buffalo these days is just wait, because Sammy Watkins at some point is going to twist an ankle or something. So you'll you'll get the share of the targets at some point. You know, you just got to wait, right, Matt? Uh, you guys are always waiting to hate on Sammy Watkins. <laughs> I mean, give us a reason not to, you know. I have nothing. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move into some some different topics. I guess we'll we'll uh, we'll head out of the NFL and and back into the uh, to our league, the CMB uh, Fantasy Football League here. Zach, um, this is our first episode uh, following our pre-draft meeting last Tuesday night, and uh, really a lot of change uh, in the last seven days to our league. Things that I did I never thought would happen. Um, We'll talk about those changes in a second, but Zach, go ahead and reveal the rivalry week matchups. This is something we do every year. Probably not that big a deal, 
Um, but uh, we like to have fun with it. So, so Zach, what are uh, what can we look forward to uh, for the for the rivalry week? Yeah, so the rivalry week will take place in week ten, and uh, this just happened to be the lineups. So we did not edit this, um, so this is this is what it was: H and F Industries versus uh, Rob and Jeff, Big Orange Bullies versus uh, SCTD. Who's that? Who's SCTD? That's Stone Cold Donald Trish. Oh, okay. Yeah. Again, okay. So Chase versus Rish. We've got Jordan Awanazen versus Kevin. IDP still suck versus Jake. Greg versus Pace. How do you feel about that, Pace? Robbery. Uh, no comment. Here. Okay. Almond Brothers versus the Tide. Suggs. Mm. Got any animosity towards uh, James and Blake? No, I, I mean I don't appreciate what they do with with those good almonds. Yeah. But... And then last but not least, Ross and Reed versus Matt Collins. That's the matchup oh, we're looking at right there. It. And it was already one that sounds like a rivalry. It was all yeah, it was already chosen. I mean, it has to be that way. It's fate. It, there they are. Can, week ten. Can I propose that we do a little bit of editing and we play around with the the rivalries? Because it only sounded like there was one true rivalry for week yes. ten. We need it. Well, we need to kind of make last what we did last year. Sound. Yeah, Brian did it last year. What we did last year is I went through, I went through and edited those matchups, and it's a little bit of a headache to get the rest of the schedule to work. But I finally did was able to get the rest of the schedule to work. But uh, yeah, we can we can edit some of those. What what, what would you like to see, Pace? What would you like to see? I don't know. I mean, I kind of like uh, I like the idea of maybe Greg versus versus James and Blake. Cause, I mean, you know, Greg and James used to have that Nashville connection, and then Greg moved back to Cookville, and mm-hmm. and as soon, as soon as he moves back, well, as soon as he moves back, you know, James pairs up with uh, with Blake. So I'd like to see a, a rivalry there between I Greg Co. I didn't even think about Greg, that. Yeah, Greg moved back to Cookville and lost the Pickham too. He always said James was his good luck charm. Oh, and, uh, look at these headlines yeah, we're making. So. Let's brew like that rivalry. See, um, I think Risher versus Jordan Awanazen is a perfect yeah. rivalry. The, yeah. the handshake rivalry. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a good one. I like that. That's a good one. What else we got? I like the I like the idea of the original co-managers. You know, H and F versus J and J. I like that. I like uh, Chase versus Jeff and Rob. The Gall matchup. That's always Ooh, good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. This this is good. I, I well, like this. Who do we have for you, Pace? Who do we have for pace? I guess, I guess me and Matt are the only uh, remaining teams that haven't been paired. Yeah, there you go. Brian, can you make this Perfect. happen? What about, what, what about Kevin White? Who's Kevin White playing? Kevin White plays hey. Jake? Probably Jake, right? The ice bucket. The ice oh, the ice bucket. Oh, the ice bucket. I like it. Losers. They should Perfect. almost – they should almost just put a wager on that game of whoever loses has to do another ice bucket. That would be good. <laughs> I oh, guarantee Kevin's I not it. playing that. <laughs> He's okay. not going to play that game. I, I like this. I like this. Good matchups. We'll see if we, uh, if, if Brian can take on that headache and make it happen. Yeah, it was, you know, and speaking of headaches, one thing we thought was was going to be a headache actually ended up in a quick majority vote. Lead changes. Um, guys, we have a new uh, free agency system in our league. Zach, what was the uh, the total vote count, and uh, and kind of go over some of the the new changes in our league? 
Yeah, it was close. Um, but uh, yeah, the free agent bucks system that we have in place will be very interesting to talk about. So I think, you know, as Jay said, I think we get a hundred dollars for all the free agents, and um, I think it'll be fun to discuss each week because we can see how much everybody bid and stuff like that. So I'm kind of excited about discussing that on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I think what really won the vote over and, you know, not to take credit, you know, for the podcast. I mean, maybe we should take a little credit, guys. But, you know, Jay Myrick's appearance last week or the week before the pre-draft meeting, I think, really helped sway a lot of people, especially people who listen. It wasn't, uh, you know, Jay with his back against the wall defending the system. It was more him just kind of fluently kind of letting people know, you know, how it's worked for his other league and, and kind of, I think you know, kept people who were kind of scared away in the past and kind of showed them, you know, how easy it could be. Um, you guys think Jay really, really helped out there? Yeah. That, I mean, that's the whole I point. Thought, I, I thought that it would be good to um, have somebody be able to explain it. And, you know, I thought that was a great thing for everybody to be able to hear it that way instead of all of a sudden at once, you know? Right. Yeah. I thought, I thought Jay was eloquent. I, I think the best way to sum it up is Jay was the anti Ross Garrison. Yes. <laughs> yeah. One other one other thing though, I think it would be fun if you could trade bucks, like if you could trade money with uh, some of the trades. But I don't even think that's an option from what I've talked to Jay about. But uh, that'd be something cool I, to do. I think I just felt the whole. I think I just felt the whole league roll their eyes at that suggestion, Zach. I <laughs> love trading so much. Yeah. I mean, what else is new? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, not to call anyone out and who voted um, what way, but, you know, I don't, you know, Matt, what was, uh, I guess, what were your thoughts on uh, on the rule change before Jay's call and maybe afterward? Uh, you don't have to, I guess you don't have to give your, uh, your vote away. Um, but what, what were, what were some of Jay's points? I think that, that maybe clicked uh, in your head after, after his call. No, I think that just the um, just the thought process of um, having to be a lot more strategic in how we pick up free agents, not allowing um, just the person camping out um, and waiting, laying in wait for the free agents was something appealing to me. Um, honestly, I think I was the first one to cast a vote, right? Um, yes, you were. And are. I was the first one to cast a vote. And until I leaned into the microphone and said yes, um, I don't know that I knew what I was going to say. And honestly, I thought I was going to say yes, and everybody else was going to say no. So um, I don't. I think if Jay had not been on the podcast, it would not have passed, because I don't think people would have done the research to understand what it was sure. um, prior to the pre-draft meeting, and they would have just let themselves be scared away from it. I also so, like the fact that the pre-draft meeting lasted about 20 minutes because we were able to go over all that prior to the pre-draft meeting, which I thought was really good. Absolutely, dude, preach it, Matt. That was I love that as well. Um, and you know, and I, I, I always enjoyed like being there in person with everyone, but I think the go-to meeting went pretty well. I mean, there weren't a ton of, uh, you know, technical difficulties. I'd say. Would you, would you guys agree? Yeah, I thought it went smoothly. Yeah. So, and, and that was that was sort of the big change that we talked about. But Zach, let me ask you about this: the the, the change that 
that was um, approved, I guess, was, was this yesterday, that we added a flex position to our league via Facebook vote. Um, what uh, what came into that decision to, to put that up to vote, and why did we not, I guess, vote for that during the pre-draft meeting? It, it kind of it kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, I um, I don't know. It just I, the more I thought about it, I was like, this just makes sense for our league. You know, we have 23 rounds, we've got 14 teams. It's you know, pretty big league, and it would just make it easier on everybody um, on draft day, and especially setting your lineups to have a flex position. I have it in the other league that I play in, and um, it's, you know, it's very smooth, so helps out everybody. So I, I don't know. I just, it just seemed like, why are we not doing this? And, uh, I just thought I would throw it out there since the season hadn't even started yet. And that rapidly got approved, right? I mean, that yeah. was quick. Yeah. Yeah. So you, now instead if for the ones that didn't maybe check Facebook, which I don't know how many people really didn't. It looked like we got a lot of votes. But instead of starting three wide receivers, now you start two wide receivers. And one of the, the flex spot takes the place of the third wide receiver spot. So you can start a wide receiver running back or a tight end. Suggs? The only person that voted no was Jake. Do you think he voted no because he didn't want a flex spot? Or was Jake just trying to be a just, punk? Jake is a Kemp fan. What else do we need to say? That, Jake gonna Jake. That's yeah. all I got to say. Gonna Jake gonna Jake. Jake. I mean – Jaker's going to Jake, 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 Yeah, you know? So anyways, I'm excited about it, and I think it'll be easy. It'll be good for everybody come Sunday setting up the lineup, so should be good. Yeah, and, and speaking of Jake, this uh, Jake's actions in the league last year, his fire sale prompted this uh, this change to our settings. Zach, what, uh, what rule change? Just remind everyone about trading picks. Yeah, so I talked to Brian about this, and I've talked to Sug some about it too, and really when we – uh, I guess, past the trading draft picks rule, I really just wanted to test it with one. And I don't know if I said that on the podcast. Uh, Matt, I know I said that to Matt before he he remembers it. Um, but the goal was just one. I just wanted to test it out, but I never wrote that down. It was never anywhere um, on the Facebook page. And so anyways, Jake had his, his sell and we agreed. I talked to Jake during the fire sell um, that we would cap it at three. And so anyways, I talked to Brian and Brian had a good idea of um, instead of limiting the picks, you know, lowering the picks, I was thinking about going back to one or two or even moving the draft, the trade deadline up um, a week, you know, because I just don't want anybody to really plan for the future that hard in our league. I want everybody to be competitive the whole way through with their best players. Sure. Um, so anyways, Brian came up with this idea and uh, Brian, do you want to go over that? what you came up with? Yeah, I just thought that, uh, honestly, one of my biggest concerns wasn't so much the idea that people wouldn't want to have, if they saw that they were out of the playoff picture, they would just try to tank games, I guess is is probably the best way to put it, um, so that they could get the best draft picks next year. My my, con- my biggest concern was that, and we might see this play out in the draft, that it just gives the person who does have that fire sale uh, an unusually strong advantage during the next season. I think you, what we might see is Jake end up with an incredibly good team. Because having two sixth-round picks, I think that's his highest pick is in the sixth round, yeah, yeah. is an incredible advantage. And 
He might really take advantage of it. He might not. Jake usually has good drafts and has good thoughts for drafts. But that was my biggest concern. So what I thought would be a good idea is, yeah, we, we want to still encourage the idea that, that you can trade up to three draft picks, but only one of them should be ninth round or higher. That way you're not really uh, making the next year's draft incredibly lopsided in this person's favor. But, and so you can still trade two more draft picks after you get a pick in the ninth round or, high, or, or higher. Um, but your next two picks have to be in the 10th round or later. So that was the idea. Uh, it seemed like it went over pretty well. I don't think anybody had a huge problem with it. Hopefully not. But that's what we're going to do. So in the past, our rules changes really have always just been about, I feel like, point settings, right? And this year, I felt like we actually made some real changes. What, um, and this can go for anyone, what's, what's next on the table? What big thing is yet to be changed about our league? Of course, keeping removal of IDPs off the table. Uh, are we talking keepers? What's the next big thing? I definitely would like to see keepers at some point in our league because Yahoo seems to be embracing it in their settings and the commissioner tools. Uh, one thing that you can do throughout the year now is if we did imply uh, keepers or enable it, you could choose one player as your keeper and you could mark them on your roster. So then everybody would know, hey, that's their keeper. I want to stay away from them. Like other people would see the K by their name. Um, but I, I kind of think it would be fun at the pre-draft meeting for everybody to announce who their keeper is um, at that point, you know, bearing some crazy injury. Uh, I think that would be very entertaining and it would just be one keeper. Obviously we can adjust the rules. I mean, like crazy, there's so many routes that you can go. We could do, do it just one year. You get to keep somebody one year and um, there's just so many different modifiers, but the one that I've thrown around, thrown around to some guys is uh, a three round escalator. So if you pick somebody in the 10th round, Next year, they would be your seventh pick. Then after that, they'd be your fourth pick, you know. But we can put a max on how many years you keep people um, if you wanted to do something like that. But anyways, it just seems like Yahoo um, is really starting to put out some settings and stuff like that. So I, I just kind of think it would be fun. But I'm definitely fine with keeping the way it is. Matt, Brian, you guys have any other uh, proposals or things that, you know, these revolutionary ideas for uh, for our league? No, I mean, I'm a fan of the keeper idea, especially with the three-round escalator. Um, I think we have a league that's unique because we kind of retain the players every year. Uh, you know, we added Matt Collins this year, but I think we have the ability to do keepers well um, as opposed to other leagues where you kind of have a lot of turnover. Um, people don't want to leave this league, so I think it would actually work out really well. Yeah, one thing I just wanted to say was – it would completely change the way that you draft and manage your team throughout the year. Because uh, one thing with keepers would be once you drop them and you, you know, you drafted that person, once you dropped them, they're no longer eligible to be kept. And if you traded them, it's not like the person that you traded to gets the keeper rights either. It's over. Like that person is free completely once you trade them. So it's not like you're trading the rights for them to keep them for whatever draft pick. It's a done deal. So it'll be interesting. Um, I think people would be a little bit more conservative and drops and, uh, you know, trades to that point as well. So you can limit it. Um, I don't think anybody would really get kept for fourth, fifth round and beyond um, or higher, I should say, because those are going to be some high draft picks for you uh, the next year. Yeah, sucks. Would you would you be more apt to keep an injured player with the likelihood that you'll keep them the next year? 
Yeah. Oh, like if sure. you took him really, really late, like you made your keeper, like your yeah. 13th round. Yeah. I just think it would be fun if you got a bargain late or something like that. We just did one player. This is only one player. We're not doing more than one um, unless mm -hmm. it just turned into like some huge hit. Um, but I think just one player is plenty to test it out sometime. And uh, I just think it'd be fun. I don't know. All right, guys, getting uh, getting close to the end here. Um, I teased it earlier, and this is not the special guest tease, but uh, we'll get there. Second tease, the return of no thanks. Um, one of my favorite um, you know, segments that we have. Guys, since we're kind of running low on time here, let's just think of one player. Uh, maybe it's someone's backfield or receiver core. Who is, on as of August 8th, who is your no thanks? And uh, Matt, you go first. Um, one player. Jarvis Landry. No thanks. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, any, any, rhyme, any rhyme or reason? Yeah, I think um, Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, I think that's one reason. I think the uncertainty at quarterback is a reason. You know, now all of a sudden he's being investigated for battery today, which I think that's another reason. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of red flags coming up uh, with Jarvis Landry, which it's not going to matter because Jake will probably draft him before I would ever consider him anyway, but no thanks. Zach? Uh, I just want to say that Jake traded him to us last year and he was terrible. So uh, <laughs> I don't think Jake's in love with him as much as he was. So I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, my no thanks, and I, and I think that Brian will agree with this, is Cam Newton. No thanks. Uh, that guy was terrible last year, lost us the championship. If we had never made that trade with Rish, we would have won uh, with Matt Ryan. We were fine where we were. But anyways, that's not the main reason. Well, that's that's a lot of the reason, I should say. But he's not even throwing at practice with this uh, surgery that he had. And I just don't want any part of that. So, uh, Cam Newton, no thanks. Yeah, he, he regressed, right? He regressed? He had soreness after he started throwing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no thanks. And that's why, they, that's why they've shut him down. Oh, dear. Brian. I, and this is, I, well, I'm going to go with an entire position group. How about that? Let's do it this way. I'm going to go with an entire position group. It's mostly based on one person, but I'm going to say no thanks to the Indianapolis Colts running backs, mostly because of Frank Gore, because anytime you have a starting running back who's as old as I am at this point, you're probably not in a very good position. And I don't know why they're so in love with him, but he's going to get a lot of carries and he's going to be incredibly ineffective. I think he averaged something like 3.4 yards a carry, which is awful uh, last year. And their offensive line is terrible. So even if they put uh, Robert Turbin or, or whoever else it is they have behind him in for Frank Gore, I just don't have any faith in Indianapolis Colts running backs. So no thanks. Wow, Brian, that was a self-deprecating no thanks. You were you were uh, lumping in your age with Frank Gore. I like that one. That was a good that was a good no thanks. Um, well, it makes me feel good no in thanks. a way because uh, because sorry, it makes me feel good in a way because he's been uh, running back that long. So you know, I don't feel that old. But it's then you realize how terrible he is, and then I do feel that old. So it's incredible he's still in the league. Well, I mean, he had hasn't he had like 13 consecutive thousand yard seasons? Or something crazy like that. I mean, he is durable. Which is which is funny because when he was coming out of Miami, didn't he tear up both knees? Like that was the reason Willis McGahee ended up being really good 
that one year and then blew out his knee was because Frank Gore was hurt. So right. he's been very durable. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I've been hearing good things no about. Thanks. Well, I've been, I've been hearing good things about Marlon Mack, the guy from uh, from South Florida, the rookie. So we'll see. I I mean, you know, being a little biased, but as a Titans fan, I I wouldn't mind seeing another thanks for their for their backfield as well. My no thanks is uh, Tyler Eifert, and it's not because of injuries, because that guy is just always injured, but it's more so the weapons around him. I mean, they draft Joe Mixon, uh, who's going to be kind of their workhorse running back. They draft um, – they have they've so many receivers. I mean, A.J. Green, um, they draft John Ross in the first round from Washington. I just don't see where Tyler Eifert has room um, for targets. So I'm staying away from that guy. It's either injuries or a lack of of, of uh, targets. Either way, Tyler Eifert, no thanks. Um, can, can, can I make a no really, can I make a really quick uh, off color Joe Mixon joke? Go for it. I think Joe Mixon is is going to really come out this season and be quite the world beater. Oh my gosh! Oh wow! Well. That is our Joe Mixon joke of the week. Apparently, that's a new uh, a new segment. Um, but uh, moving to our last segment here, and uh, we'll wrap the show up and, and, and conclude with our special guest, the Tweet of the Week. Tweet of the Week! My Tweet of the Week this week comes from the Twitter account Blake Bortle Facts, and this is a really good follow if uh, if you're a Blake Bortle hater like I am. This says Blake Bortles has thrown 80 touchdown passes to a combined nine NFL teams. That is my tweet of the week. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right. My, my tweet of the week uh, comes from the Los Angeles Chargers. And I don't know if you saw this, but they wished uh, Mike Williams a happy birthday on August 4th. And Mike Williams replied back, my birthday is October 4th. Appreciate the early love, though. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> they just drafted this guy, and they they already got his birthday wrong, and they deleted the tweet immediately. So that just that's just hilarious, and, and poor Mike Williams looking not good for this season too. And yeah, already out for the season, so that's that's pretty bad. I, I was looking for a Roderick Henderson tweet of the week, and he actually hasn't tweeted in a while, so I'm a oh, little worried oh. about the guy. Um, I am looking though at his Twitter account. Eleven minutes ago, he retweeted. Uh, some young woman named AJ, and it said, what's for me will always be with a smiley emoji. <laughs> I have no clue what that means, but that is your Roderick Henderson tweet of the week. I like it. I like it. Tweet of the week. <laughs> Guys, fantastic show today. Uh, all of uh, our talking points and, and you know things that we discussed around the league. I'm really excited about this uh, this next guest, and I hope you guys enjoy. It's time for the Call of the Week. There are a few people better in the country to talk NFL and none better to talk Houston Texans football. A real treat for us. We're now pleased and privileged to be joined by the legend himself, John McClain, who's covered the NFL for the Houston Chronicle for 38 years. John is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame Selection Committee, can be heard locally each Tuesday and Friday on the Midday 180 on Nashville's 104.5 The Zone. John, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. 
Hey, John, really appreciate you hopping on the call. It's a, a huge treat for us. I uh, I would imagine the question you're asked the most involves the, uh, the preseason Don't even ask battle. me. I bet I can tell you what you're going to ask. <laughs> what am I about to ask? About Deshaun Watson and Tom Savage. <laughs> So I saw the I saw the article today on the Houston Chronicle. It was sort of a, a where are they now about the eight different quarterbacks who have started in Bill O'Brien's first three years. Uh, John, is this the year that he has learned his lesson of not to uh, to keep such a short leash on uh, on the QBs? Is this, will this be the first time we see a quarterback play all 16 games? I would doubt it because Bill O'Brien has benched his starter in each of his first three years. That would be Ryan Fitzpatrick. Brian Hoyer and Brock Osweiler. Tom Savage is firmly entrenched as the starter, but he's he's been hurt each of his first three seasons. So the odds are Tom will get hurt or be benched. Now if he if he plays well and they win, Deshaun Watson will watch and learn. Watson's had a great off season, great training camp for a rookie, and uh, there have only been let's see. Between 2000 and 2016, only three teams coming off winning record took quarterbacks in the first round. Denver with Jay Cutler and Paxton Lynch, Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Then this year, Kansas City and Houston did it. It's very rare for a team coming off a winning record to play a rookie, and that's why the Texans don't plan to play Watson. But if he keeps improving, and Savage stinks it up, then Watson will play. I tell everybody, do not take a Texans quarterback on your fantasy team. <laughs> so uh, in our in our uh, league, on our podcast, we have a segment called No Thanks, where we uh, we name a player or position group that we just are staying completely away from in the fantasy season. So, John, can you comfortably say no thanks to both of uh, the, uh, the QBs in Houston? No, thank you. And it doesn't have anything to do with them. If you look at the Texans' history under Bill O'Brien, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 17 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Brian Hoyer, 19 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Brock Osweiler, 15 touchdowns and 16 interceptions. So in the best season, you only got 19 touchdowns from a quarterback. And with Will Fuller out till October 1st or November 1st, they don't have a down-the-field threat. And Bill O'Brien, he just wants his quarterbacks – to move the chains and don't turn it over. I don't, I don't know, and I got to look this up. If he's had a 300-yard passer, he may not have, and that's not what he wants to do. So uh, I would say stay away from the Texans' quarterbacks because of Bill O'Brien's philosophy. Also, they have run the ball more than any team in the league in his first three years, and adding Deontay Foreman to go with Lamar Miller shows you that philosophy is not going to change. Well, that was my next question, John, was with Deontay Foreman, the, uh, the third-round running back from the University of Texas. His pre-draft comp was Jonathan Stewart by a lot of, you know, these, these quote-unquote experts. Um, and so my question would be, with, with Lamar Miller already in the backfield, is Lamar Miller, is he set to be the, the lead, the workhorse back, or could we possibly see a Jonathan Stewart, D'Angelo Williams-type tandem with Foreman and, and Miller? Last year, Lamar Miller had a bigger load than he ever had at Miami. He got nicked up. He missed one or two games. He came out of a couple of others. He was not as effective as a runner, and he was not as effective as a receiver. He had to do a lot of running inside. And even though he's 220 pounds, he's just not a power pounding back. Now, Foreman is 235 last year at Texas when he joined Ricky Williams. 
as the only players in Longhorns history to rush for 2,000 yards. He had a big, huge workload, 51 carries in one game. And so that's why he came out as a junior. He didn't want to go back and take that pounding when he could come to the NFL. How much he gets to play depends on how well he plays. You know, he's had to work as a blocker. He's had to work as a receiver. Two things he didn't do there. Lamar Miller is a smart blocker. He's not great at it, but he knows if a guy's coming off a slot corner, he knows which one to pick up. Foreman's still feeling his way. But the problem with having a back who's good inside the five-yard line, you got to get in the five, inside the five-yard line. And that doesn't happen a lot with the Texans. Last year, they scored 23 offensive touchdowns. They had 36 the year before with Hoyer and 35 with Fitzpatrick. So they were just horrendous at just scoring last year. And so that's why I tell people to stay away. Now, I think DeAndre Hopkins is at as good a camp as I've seen any receiver have in my – this is my 40th training camp. And um, and now whether that translates to touchdowns in regular season, I don't know. I do know this because Osweiler's gone. This offense can't be any worse, and it's only got – one direction to go as a as a passing and running offense. Yeah, John, you're you're reading my mind. My next question was really about the wide receiving core moving to the perimeter. You reported late last week that that Will Fuller out, out two to three months, I believe, with with a broken collarbone. So my question would be, you know, you, you talked about how impressive Hopkins has been uh, in, in the opening of training camp. Who uh, who's next in the pecking order? Who's getting Hopkins scraps? Um, you know, guys, from a fantasy perspective, can we can we expect to see Braxton Miller or Jalen Strong to be uh, that, that second receiver? I hate to be a voice of doom, but I wouldn't touch them either. And the reason is Braxton's in his second year. He's playing a slot. He's 6'2", 215. He had a great quote that sums it up for most second-year players. He said, as a rookie, it was me versus the playbook. Now it's me versus the defense. Whether that means he'll score more. He had one touchdown catch last year before going on injured reserve. He's looked good in camp, but I just don't trust Texans receivers other than Hopkins. I would trust more as a fantasy owner taking tight end C.J. Fedorowicz, who became a legitimate weapon last year, and I think now in his last year of his contract, he'll be better. I love players the last year of their contracts, it's amazing the way they stay healthy and seem to play better than they have. And they've got several like that. And um, I would want Strong and Miller to prove it before I took them. Yeah, and, and C.J. Fedorowicz, that's definitely a name that Titans fans here in Middle Tennessee are familiar with. He always finds a way to have breakout performances uh, against the Titans. Isn't that right, John? I believe that when they get down close to the goal line, whether it's Savage or Watson, that they're going to throw to him. He's 6'5 and a half, 265. Their other tight end, Ryan Griffin's a 6'6 and a quarter and 260. Both of those guys have caught the ball really well in preseason. I mean, training camp, they've caught it all over the field. And they've got good hands. Now, Fedorowicz had some drops last year. But I think he's going to be better than last season. I think he's going to be a really good weapon when they get down inside the 10-yard line because you've got to figure Hopkins is going to get doubled all the time since they have nobody opposite him. And they also 
don't have anybody with uh, Will Fuller's speed to keep a safety on that size of field. So I don't think that they will score as few as 23 offensive touchdowns again, but I'm very skeptical about this team as an offense that can consistently drive the ball down the field and score touchdowns. You know, they were 31st in red zone, and only the Jets were worse. And uh, when Arian Foster was here and they get down to five, he was good as gold. And if he can run the ball down there, help the passing game, but they got to get down there to prove they can run it. Yeah, sure. And John, you know, moving to the other side of the ball, we are in our fantasy league, we uh, have what we call IDPs, individual defensive players. And uh, there really is not a better group of weapons than the Houston Texans defense. So my question would be, after losing A.J. Boye to the Jags and, and John Simon to the Colts, with a healthy J.J. Watt, should the Texans defense still be considered the best uh, in the NFL? Well, they could have kept John Simon. They could have kept their safety, Quentin Damps. They had plenty of cap money to do it. But they chose to let those guys go because they thought they were replaceable. Now, they made an effort to keep Boyer. If they kept A.J. Boyer and they offered him $12.5 million a year, he went to Jacksonville for 13 Had they been able to keep him, then they could have moved Kareem Jackson to safety. As it is, replacing Boyer is Kevin Johnson, who's really good, but broke his foot and had to miss nine games last year and two playoff games. He's 100%. Still got Kareem Jackson and Jonathan Joseph at the corner. They only had one defensive touchdown last year. You know, they were number one in fewest yards allowed. But if you want to be a great defense, you've got to force some turnovers, which they were terrible doing. And you got to score two, three, four touchdowns, and they couldn't do it. And it's because they didn't have a consistent pass rush without Watt. When Watt played the first two games healthy, they were 2-0, and had nine sacks, three fumble recoveries. It took them another seven games to get nine sacks. And it took them the rest of the season, 14 games, to get three more fumble recoveries. So watch back. And, and they in the first unofficial depth chart, they listed Genevieve and Clowney, outside linebacker. And he does go to both drills, but he plays in uh, probably 90% of the time. And then they play three linebackers and five DBs most of the time based on what the offense does. But if I'm a fantasy, if I am a fantasy owner, and I've got a shot at the Texans defense with Watt back. I think it'll help them with turnovers and it'll help might get them two or three more touchdowns. John, uh, I've definitely heard your comments, you know, on, on 104.5 The Zone, and, and so I'm familiar with, with your kind of prediction, uh, if you will, for the AFC South uh, this season. If you could kind of share your thoughts on, on the division as a whole and who you think comes out on top uh, with, with our league. Texans have won it the last two years, four of the last six years. They've never been beyond the second round of the playoffs because that second round divisional game is always on the road. Because we don't know about their quarterback situation, Watson's a rookie. Savage has started two games, played in three. No touchdowns, no interceptions. It's the unknown. And for a lot of people, it's the fear of the unknown. So I think Tennessee is going to win the division. I'm picking the Titans 10 and 6, Texans 9 and 7. Titans have Marcus Mariota, who, if he stays healthy, you know, they're threat to win the division, get a home game, and to return the Titans to the playoffs. And they've got a good running game. I can't say enough about their general manager, John Robinson, the job he's done 
in his two off seasons, and I think one more, in which he helps defensive coordinator Dick LeBeau even more with draft and free agents. That is going to be a Super Bowl contender. And then I pick Indianapolis third, whether Andrew Luck plays or not, because the Jaguars, they're going to have to prove it to me that they can do it before I pick them. Blake Bortles has struggled. They had issues in the offensive line. I think Tom Coughlin wants to coach the team, and he and and I believe he and uh, Doug Marone, who have similar personalities, are destined to clash. And so I think the Jaguars are still going to struggle, despite all that talent, especially on defense. Hey, in, in addition to following him at McLean underscore on underscore NFL on Twitter, you can read his work at the HoustonChronicle.com or hear him locally on 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. And for Jake Stanford and our league, catch him on WNML The Animal. John, thanks again for your time and, and for making our week, really. We really appreciate it. Guys, it's my pleasure. Anytime I can help, just let me know. Yeah, safe travels to Charlotte. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Again, that was John McClain of the Houston Chronicle. And, uh, wow, what a treat that was getting to uh, to talk to the man in black, the legend himself, John McClain. I, I wanted to ask him about his, uh, his film career. A lot of people don't know, but John McClain – has appeared in several movies, and I'm not talking about Die Hard. John McClane has been in The Longest Yard, the Adam Sandler remake. He was in The Rookie, Secretariat, Invincible, and uh, he was also the judge in Spring Breakers. So I wanted to ask him if, if he had any film cameos on the horizon, but, man, that was, yeah, that was really nice of him to uh, to join us. I'm really disappointed uh, you didn't try to get him to say yippee-ki-yay, mother effer. I mean, that's that's John McClane's line. Yeah, it is. It is, but you know, it was it was a courtesy for him I'm to jump on. So I figured that, yeah, we needed to stay professional. But man, think, that yeah, was yeah. I was expecting probably every day. <laughs> I, I mean, he was just so I knowledgeable. Maybe, yeah. That was really and, cool. And I thought maybe five five minutes. What are we having for? Ten, fifteen? Yeah, I don't know. We'll have yeah, to go back. Yeah, and it's like almost that. twenty. He was. He said anything. I heard what he said. Well, the thing I enjoy most about John McClane is, you know, and that and that guy was in his hotel room. You know, he probably wouldn't sit in front of a computer, and he was just firing away stats at us back to back to back. I mean, that guy is just a, a working encyclopedia of, of Texans knowledge. It was it was pretty impressive. Yeah, he was he was a lot of fun to listen to, and uh, like gave some honest fantasy advice, which I really liked. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess I guess not surprised. But um, I, I was a, a little bit uh, – I didn't expect him to be so deprecating of the, just the Texans in general. Yeah. Uh, between the quarterbacks, between the wide receivers after DeAndre Hopkins. Um, he, he just – he uh, was very, very honest, that is for sure, even about his, uh, his own beat team. Yeah, I mean, I think he's just a realist, right? So I think, you know, last year when they signed Brock Osweiler to that big $78 million contract, his thought was, you know, if this guy's legit, then, you know, the Texans could be a real contender. And I think as soon as he realized that Brock Osweiler wasn't worth the money and, and, and that it probably wasn't going to work out, I think, you know, John McClain is, is you know, he's a, a non-biased, you know, objective uh, beat reporter. And he, and he uh, kind of calls it like it is, um, you know, so – I knew when we asked him about who was going to finish out on top in the AFC South, where he was going to lie. He's John is, is 
is very much, um, you know, a realist, but he also, he knows the teams that win are the teams with the quarterback. So that's the biggest question mark for the Texans. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. A couple things that he said that Bill O'Brien has not had a 300 yard passer. Is that right? I mean, you think, yeah, that's what I heard. I mean, that's crazy. If that's true, that's crazy. Um, and then the other thing, talking about the Titans being potential Super Bowl team, you know, down the road, that was pretty cool. Yeah, and I guess I don't find – the only reason I find the 300 – not having a 300-yard um, per game or a game passer is, is that, you know, he was, he was Tom Brady's offensive coordinator in New England for a couple of years. So you'd have thought some of that would have rubbed off, you know, in his play calling uh, as a head coach. So that, that, that does surprise me, too, that he's so run-oriented. All right. Well, hey, I, uh, you know, unless you guys have any other thoughts, really enjoyed that, um, that, that call, that conversation with, with John McClain. Um, definitely want to, uh, you know, we can't just, just throw this call out there and, and not give you guys this uh, in the future. So definitely have some guests lined up uh, in the coming weeks and, and continuing this line of special guests. I don't, we kind of set the bar really high right out of the gate. Wouldn't you agree, guys? Oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Oh, yeah. We've, we've set it yeah. high. Don't expect this. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we were pretty pumped to, to get in contact with him and, and for him to be willing to come on. Uh, just a super, super nice guy. Brandon McManus next week. Efforting. <laughs> All right, episode 53 coming next week. See you guys.